This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life and calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. I think the biggest way we steal from each other right now is with time and our presence, right? So if you are not fully present with somebody else, then you're stealing that moment from them. And honestly, you're stealing it from yourself too. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast and happy 2020. I would like to dedicate this episode to my mother who passed away on the 28th of December 2019 and is home and at peace. And I am grateful for that. I'm also very grateful for her and everything she has done for me in my life. The woman was there at any time I needed her without question, without conditions, and without condemnation. Anyway, today on the Rebel Health Coach Podcast, I am joined by Kelly DiNardo. Kelly is the co-host of the Living It Radio Podcast owner of Past Tense Yoga Studio in Washington, D.C., and a freelance journalist and author. Her latest book, Living the Sutras, A Guide to Yoga Wisdom Beyond the Mat, which gives the readers a modern, accessible, and personal look at ancient yogi philosophy and the wisdom found within it. As a freelance journalist, she specializes in exploration, whether it is Internally, through yoga and meditation, physically, through health and fitness, culturally and socially, through profiles, or the many ways travel brings all of that together. She has written for O, the Oprah Magazine, Martha Stewart Living, Health, the New York Times, National Geographic Traveler, and many others, including USA Today. I have to say that I love this book very, very much. And I love it so much that I bought it as a Kindle copy to prep for this episode. And then I realized I really like something that I could mark it up with many things that are in this book so that I can use it throughout the year of 2020 to help myself become a better person. If you go to tomunderwood.net, that's T-H-O-M, underwood.net. And go to the toolbox. 
it's in my toolbox of books and other things that I love and have vented for my personal use and to help you out. Thank you very much and Happy New Year. Kelly, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to me today, but I also appreciate the delays we had in getting together. It happens. It yep. happens. Yeah. Man, it's it's the busy season and you got a lot going on. I got a lot going on, but this is an important topic today. Thank you. I think so. Yeah. But before we dive into your latest book, which is what we're going to talk about, Living the Sutras, A Guide to Yoga Wisdom Beyond the Mat, who is Kelly DiNardo? And how did you get into this world of yoga? Oh, how did I start in yoga? Well, so yoga is actually my second job. And it didn't start as a job. I think for most people, it doesn't. And it is still one of my primary passions. But I... In my off the mat life, I'm a journalist and I was, I had a very on again, off again yoga practice, like I think most people do. And I was working at USA Today at the time. And they had a great gym in the, at the office building. And I was starting to train for my first long distance run. And I started practicing more consistently at, at, they had this great Thursday night class that I would take and it was the perfect, Time because then I'd have my Friday recover rest day, and then Saturday would usually be my long training day. And I just got really consistent with my practice because of that. You know, I, I came to the mat for looser hamstrings and I stayed for all the reasons I think people stay. And in the end, it was actually very instrumental in helping me decide to leave my job at USA Today and to start freelancing, which I did for a long time. Um, I still do. And when I left, um, my job to start freelancing, someone gave me great advice and said, find something to do that gets you out of the house every day. <laughs> so you're not one of those crazy people who never leaves home. And so I started teaching... I had become certified to teach step and sculpting classes. So I started teaching at some local gyms and I was studio hopping in my yoga practice. And my boss at the gym knew this and asked if I wanted to go through their training. So I did. Um, and I started teaching at the gym and I was still studio hopping all over the world or, or all over the city rather, not the world. And then eventually I decided to open up my own yoga studio. And so now I do both things. I am a freelance journalist and writer and I own a yoga studio and I teach and juggle 85 different things at one given time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I can see that. I mean, you got you got the you have the podcast which I'm really digging. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Living it radio. Yes. Tell the listeners a little bit about your and Amy's podcast. Yes. So, it's kind of funny. We were doing a lot of podcast interviews together when the book first came out. And we did a great one with Rosia Costa. She's a podcast called Radically Loved. And when we got off the recording with her, we ended up talking for another half hour. And she said, you guys really should start your own podcast. There's so much information here and so much for you guys to talk about. And we're like, oh, that's actually a great idea. Let's <laughs> let's put something else on our plate. Um, and Rosie was really instrumental and kind of mentored us through getting it started. And so we, the podcast is an outgrowth of the book. And what we try to do is talk to people. They ha- they typically have a yoga practice, but they might not be professional yogis or in the health and wellness world. And we talk to them about what it means to actually live your practice off of the mat. So the first season we looked at... We did episodes that looked at what yoga is, what we tend to do to get in the way, how it impacts our relationships and our ego and identity, and then what the relationship between yoga and meditation is. And then the second season, we did uh, an episode on... Uh, we looked at the yamas and the niyamas, which are the yoga's moral code is the the best way to talk about it. Some people call it the 10 commandments of yoga, but I feel like that's very dogmatic. 
But we talked about those things in really different ways. So for example, we talked about cultural appropriation in yoga. Um, We talked about racism. We talked about eating issues and body image issues. Um, And we look, but we were looking at that through the lens of, um, for example, one of the um, moral codes or the yamas is secha, which is honesty or truthfulness. And so we talked to Diane Bondi about body image and eating disorders and how diet culture um, essentially is telling lies to ourselves and keeps us from knowing our true identity. So we talked about honesty in these very um, in these much bigger picture ways than I think we tend to talk about it. So that was that's the podcast. And now we're on a little break from after season two and we're starting to plan for season three. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I like the way you do it in seasons too. Yes. Because this is a lot of work. It is. And it, for, it's a lot of work and it also allows us to theme our seasons so people can kind of jump in and out as they and see fits what they need. Now, your past tense yoga studios, it's right in the heart of D.C. Yes. I looked at it on the map last night when I was prepping, <laughs> and you are literally right down the road from the White House. Yes. We are about a mile and a half um, north of the White House. Yes. That's crazy. Yes, it is. And you've been, you started this in 2009, so this is your 10th year? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm, lo- I'm following you on Instagram, and I love that 12 days of yoga contest you're running? Yes. Thank you. We do that every year leading up to the holidays. It's just something fun to do to, you know, this, the holidays leading into the new year can be a really stressful time. And we want people to have fun with their practice and remember that, you know, for me, I have a lot of joy in my practice and that's something we try and bring to all of our students. And I often say, you know, we might take our practice seriously, but we don't take ourselves that seriously. And so this is just a a way to remember that it's supposed to be fun and a point of the year that can be really stressful for people. Right. And it is. I mean, there's a lot of stuff goes along with it. Yes. And uh, it's just that time of year, man. And then we roll into New Year's and then we just start all over. All over again, right. <laughs> right. So 10 years, that's good. Mm-hmm. You, you're a journalist, a freelance journalist. You do a lot of journalism for magazines and Oprah and all kinds of other publications. You have the podcast, you have the book, you have the studio. Yes. And you have a child. I do. I have a son. Yes. <laughs> How does Kelly shut down? That is a good question. It kind of depends on the day. I um, I run and I that is definitely for me more about the mental space that it helps me create than the physical um, at this point now. You know, I mean, I used to train for long distance things and now I don't run for more than 45 minutes and it's just a way to kind of disconnect from everything. Um, yoga for sure is how I disconnect. I um, I have gotten to a point where I can go to my own studio and practice and um, not worry about the dust bunnies mm-hmm. and all those little things. I can, I can separate studio owner Kelly and student Kelly, which is really important. I spend as much time as I can with good friends. And I think those social relationships are probably the best way to slow down. Um, And any chance I can get, I go to the mountains, whether it's to hike or to ski, that is definitely a disconnect time for me. And then there's little things like my son's really into coloring right now. And that is something I love to do with him. I'm really enjoying um, reading to him because he's starting in on chapter books now. And so it's been fun to revisit some of my favorite childhood books and things like that. So different ways. And then, yeah, it just sort of depends. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I have to say, before we get into the book more, I tried yoga once in my life and it was at a functional medicine retreat. And uh, the last day of the retreat, they had every day they had yoga at 7 a.m. I believe it was, it might've been 6.30 to 7.30. But I, the, the girls talked me into doing the first class. Yeah. Or doing the, la- the last the class on Sunday before we all took off on Monday. 
And I'm not a bendable person for number <laughs> one. I can hardly touch my toes, nor do I fit in a bathtub very well. <laughs> so needless to say, they got a lot. Of, this was a, my yoga class was a comedy of errors. And the girls got a lot of giggles out of me trying to bend. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to send you a couple of articles that I have written over the years about um, what you should know before you start a yoga practice and um, what like what to expect when you go into a studio and then um, what how to handle what can be sometimes embarrassing moments. I'll send you a few and you can stick them in the show notes. But so that's one. The second thing is people always say they don't go to yoga because they're not flexible and they can't touch their toes or whatever. If you want to touch your toes, bend your knees. Like it's totally fine. You don't you don't need to touch your toes and actually yoga over time will make you more flexible so it can solve that. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that there are so many different ways and to interpret yoga and so many different styles. I'm a firm believer that there is an approach and a style for everyone. And I think it's just a matter of finding the right... Like, Are you a vinyasa person, which is a flowier style? Are you more of an alignment-based Iyengar student? Are you more about restorative yoga and or yin yoga and really stretching out the muscles? And then even within those styles, how different teachers interpret it can vary widely. I mean, we at Past Tense are a vinyasa studio, but we have folks who teach more alignment-based classes. We have folks who teach you know, very fast power flow classes and everything in between. We have people who teach to music and some who don't. And there is an approach, I think, for everyone. And the thing people I would say, if you're new to yoga, most yoga studios have an intro trial that they'll give to new students. So ours is two weeks for $30. And some of them are, you know, 10 days for $20 or whatever it is. But there, most places have an introductory offer. And I, my suggestion is find some time when you can go a whole bunch and take advantage of it and really test out different teachers. And email the studio and be like, well, you know, I'm new or I'm coming off of this injury or I've got this going on and what would you recommend? That interaction will tell you a lot too. Like, is this... a a warm, friendly yoga studio? Is this a place that, you know, there are some places that are more about the scene? Is it is it a scene-y kind of space? Mm-hmm. You suss out a lot from that. Um, but I would just say, find all the yoga studios that you would logistically want to get to that are close to you and then check out their new student specials. And I guarantee there's a, a teacher and a class for everyone. Okay, cool. Yeah. What, what is your definition of yoga? It's changed a lot, actually. So when I started practicing, I was very much a physical practitioner. I didn't know very much about the philosophy and the more holistic side of things. And as I've learned more about it, my definition has totally changed. And I completely subscribe to the definition that is in the the Yoga Sutras, which says, Yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. So basically anything that calms your brain down enough so that you don't have monkey mind where your thoughts are jumping from branch to branch like a monkey, that is yoga. So sometimes for me, my yoga practice is a run without music, without a podcast, just run. Sometimes it's a vinyasa flow class. Sometimes it's a meditation practice. Whatever it is that is going to kind of calm the inner crazy, that that to me is yoga at this point. Okay. okay. Yeah, because we live in a society where most of us are in a sympathetic mode or a fight and flight mode all day long. All the time. Until we go to bed. Right. Yeah. And... If you never get to a parasympathetic mode, you're gonna, you're gonna be, a you're gonna have injuries. Yes. B you're not gonna be healthy. Yes. Because you can't live in that mode day in and day out and expect your body to say, "Hey, this is okay. I can deal with this." Right. Because it's not so, gonna happen. No. So one of the so the yoga sutras break down uh, yoga into eight limbs, is what it's called, and one of the limbs is is breath work and. 
this might be the quickest, easiest way to trigger the parasympathetic response. And science has since proven this. But um, if your exhale is just a little bit longer than your inhale, it triggers the vagus nerve to tell your whole body to calm down. So if if you need that moment to come out of the sympathetic response system and you inhale for three and exhale for five or six, you do that for 10 breaths, you will feel different. I guarantee it. Yeah, I've got that app on my on my iWatch. Yeah. Where it tells me to breathe. Yes. Yep. And, but it always tells me to breathe at the wrong moment. It's like, hey, wait, I'm busy. I can't stop right now. Right. right. So yeah, I have to remind myself to breathe a lot because I, I, I am that person who wakes up and, and goes. Right. Until 10 o'clock and I say, okay, I'm shutting down. Right. And I mean, I'm balancing a job. I'm also balancing an education. I'm also balancing my functional practice, my uh, my health coaching practice, right? My podcast and life, and it's like a lot. And and we all live. I think in today's society, we are so connected that we forget how to disconnect. I agree with that. Right? We're we're connected to our devices and to electronics, but not necessarily to each other in in a more meaningful way. Yeah. And New Year, the, one of my goals is since I've been reading this book, which is an amazing book, I highly recommend people grab this book. If you've done yoga forever or not, because I had no idea there was a such thing as a sutra in yoga. Right. I was familiar with the meditation aspect of sutras. Mm-hmm. I learned med- transcendental meditation back in the 70s. Yeah. When Maharishi and the Beatles were all big. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. So I yeah. joined this transcendental meditation class and it was awesome. But I had no idea that sutras existed in, in, in yoga. Yes. So what exactly are these sutras? Right. So the yoga sutras, so first of all, sutra means thread. So think about like sutra. Um, like in surgery, but so it's that's what it means. It's thread. And they are 196 threads or aphorisms of yogic wisdom. And they were compiled or codified by Patanjali. This we don't know much about Patanjali. We don't know if it was a single person or a group, but whoever Patanjali was, he he, and it's probably a he, did not invent yoga. He simply codified it and wrote it down. And the way that he did it was in this book called the Yoga Sutras. And so they they outline what yoga is, all the ways we get in our own way and all the things we do to not still the fluctuations of the mind, but to kind of keep ourselves crazy and thinking crazy. And then uh, he outlines an eight-limbed system for how we can still the fluctuations of the mind. So yoga ends up being both the means and the end. So he's outlining a system, that uh, the yogic system, which leads us to a yogic state of mind where we are calm and um, we can see clearly we know ourselves truly and clearly so we can understand our unique purpose in the world and then we can actually live it. And we can live more joyfully and live with ease. I have to say that most people that practice yoga that I've met in my lifetime, and it's more so now that I'm in this functional medicine health coach realm, Yeah, because we all of us pretty much practice and preach or try to practice and preach going from getting out of that sympathetic mode into a parasympathetic mode. Right. Because you can't heal unless you're in a parasympathetic mode. Right. So, but no, I mean, when you talk about yoga, most of it's like downward dog and physical cobra, locust, triangle. Right. But nobody ever talks about the sutras. Why is that? I think there are a lot of reasons. It's easier for us to be in our bodies in some ways, I think. And I think the Western culture certainly lives... We are very physically oriented, right? So what body shapes should be... We're very exercise-focused in that respect. 
it's a lot easier for us to understand that yoga will might help us become more flexible or less stressed out or it might alleviate back pain or help us with sleep or improve our sex lives. All of those things are all physical, right? But I think the true nature of it is you're working on your body as, as kind of the entry point for most of us. And then you can start to go go a little bit deeper. But in the Yoga Sutras, of those 196 aphorisms, only three say anything about the physical practice of yoga. And all that it says is that you should find a comfortable and easy seat. And it talks about a balance of effort and ease. And so (laughs) it's less than 2% of how Patanjali defines yoga and what he talks about in the yogic system. So the the physical practices was very minimal 2,000 plus years ago. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. One thing I was last night when I was prepping for this and yesterday, I read this article, I think it was on the Pete Copra's site about uh, Patanjali mm-hmm. was, wrote all these down on the palm leaves. And this, I don't know if this is a real story or is somebody wrote this, but he, but a goat ate half of them before he took him, the remainder of them to the Himalayas. Huh. And then he went on to say, perhaps this is the, the modern origin of goat yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't totally surprise me. And yeah, goat yoga is a, Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever tried it? I have not. No, I have not. Because for me, that would that might be fun, but it wouldn't be yoga for me because I think it would be really entertaining. But that is not the practice of stilling my mind at all. I was gonna say that would disrupt my flow. Yes, it would absolutely disrupt my flow. Now, with that said, I think it would be fun or funny to try. But I don't know that I would ever count that as my yoga practice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the sutras a mm. little bit. And one of the, the very first sutra you mentioned is, is the first sutra, which is 1.1 or 1 colon yeah. mark 1, 1, 1, which means now we begin. Right. So I noticed that you wrote this book into three books, and there's four actually four books in the sutras. Right. Why did you leave out what book? Well, the the last book, most of the third book and all of the fourth book are about the results of what happens when you're enlightened. And neither in Amy nor I feel like we have reached an enlightened state and could write about it in a in a real way. The other thing is for us, we wanted to make this very tangible and practical and accessible, something that readers could use as a tool to improve their lives. And so we focused more on the practices than on on the results. Okay. I, yeah, I really, like I said earlier, I really dig this book and I'm going to incorporate this into my new year. Yeah. Because I, I really need to shift out of this mode that I'm in, I need to start with something calm. Yes. I have, uh, I have heart. I really struggle with meditation. Yes, me too. And sitting still and trying to think of things. I actually tried many things at the beginning of last year. And one of them was that muse thing that you put on your head yes. and you have an app on your phone, but I still couldn't meditate with that because I always looking at my phone at the app. Yes. So it's like, why am I, this is, so I sent it back. That was a Christmas present to myself last year. I sent it back and I found this machine called the Huzo. Okay. Which Huzo stands for human sound. And this is, this is, this machine has saved my life, basically. I mean, I mean, it hasn't saved my life, but I mean, it, it helped restore my gut health. So basically, it's 30 minutes and I do it twice a day, but 30 minutes with sound coming through your, ears, frequencies of chanting monks and people playing didgeridoos and all these weird sounds. Yes. But you put the pads on your acupuncture points, which are your wrist and your, and your ankles. Yes. And those vibrate to the sounds you're listening to. 
this thing is is amazing for okay, somebody I'm who doesn't know. Yeah, so you do just, that. You just hit on a whole bunch of things. So yep. So yes, I also struggle with meditation, and one of the things that I found really reassuring in the yoga sutras is that the last three limbs are essentially different levels or depths of meditation. And so even 2000 years ago, the yogis knew like some days you're going to drop right into a meditative state, no problem. And some days you're going to be sitting there thinking about your grocery list and like all the other things that go through our mind. And, and for me, that was like, they are saying that's okay. That is normal. That is human. And what's important is that we just continue to practice. So the other thing is there is something in the sutras that Amy and I jokingly call the or list because um, Patanjali says, for those of you who are naturally in touch with God, like your inner divinity, then um, you will naturally fall into basically this meditative state. And then he says, and for the rest of us, and he goes on to list about 13 different things, all these different ways that you can you can still the fluctuations of the mind. And one of them is to meditate on the sound of Om, which is basically what you're talking about with you know chanting and music. And for me, the way, the best way that I can at this point fall into, into a real meditative state is if I have done two things. One, either move my body in some physical way, right? So running or taking a hard yoga class kind of works out the inner frenetic energy. And then to put on chanting or music like that. And I think that's probably why sound bath meditations are so popular right now. Mm. It's almost like the chanting or the gongs or that sound, that vibration is sort of clearing out the... It's soothing. It is very soothing, right. Yeah, so the machine is called Huzu. I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. check that yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. Okay, but let's go back to the. Let's start with the beginning again. I want to yeah. go. What that first sutra? Now we begin. Yes. So, where do we begin? Well, it kind of depends on where you are. So, the, I think the important word there is now, right? I mean, okay. there's so many of us. We have Scarlett O'Hara syndrome. Like, I'll do it on Monday. I'll start it on Monday. No, now. Like, right now is your practice, right? Right now is yoga. You don't need to be on a mat. You and I having this conversation right now, this is yoga. And so I think it's a reminder that this is a way of living, not just a physical asana practice. And then, and then the way to begin, you know, I was mentioned earlier that, that Patanjali outlines eight limbs. And the thing that I love about this is in Sanskrit, which is the original language that this was written in, it's called Ashtanga. And that means, Ashta means eight and Anga means um, limbs or rungs. And so you can look at this as uh, rungs of a ladder, like a system that you're working through successively, or you can look at it as limbs coming out of a tree where you're working on multiple limbs at the same time, multiple steps at the same time, and you might be having more success or growth in one than the other, and that's okay. So it's not like, in my interpretation of it, it's not like Patanjali is saying, you must master downward facing dog before you are allowed to work on your pranayama or your meditation practice. What he's saying is work on all of it at the same time and you might need to focus on one aspect of it more than the other at any given point in time. Okay, okay. Let's talk about... And one thing I enjoyed about the book, and other, this is another thing I enjoyed, is that at the end of every chapter, you have this, this reflections area, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Thank you. And it's kind of eye-opening. It can be, yeah. So like, I started with chapter one, which is just... You know, what what do we do? Right. True colors. Yes. How we how we actually see things. Right. Set a timer for five minutes and list as many words as you think of that describe and define you. Yes. Uh, that's a that's an eye opener. Yes, it can be. 
And then I think the follow-up is even more interesting where you ask somebody else to do it for you Mm. and to see, or about you, and to see the similarities and the differences, I think can be really enlightening. Yeah. I know some people would say that I'm never present. Mm. You know, or I'm present when I want to be present. And then Mm -hmm. otherwise my mind's everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got, I really have struggled with it. I think it was a movie where it was like when you say, you know, you're talking to somebody, you see a squirrel run by and it's like, you go like that. It's like, (laughs) and people were like, you have, you know, because a friend of mine used to say, nope, a squirrel, you know, because I've got the shiny penny syndrome. Mm-hmm. So like shiny objects, right? Yeah, and right. it's like, okay, what what's next? So yeah, it's that's hard is 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 being present, and and this book really teaches a lot about that. Yes, and and being you and authentically you, right? You well, know? and I think too. So if you coming back to we were talking about the yamas and the niyamas before, and we talked about I mentioned sacha, which is honesty. One of them is. The next one is Aseya, which is non-stealing. And one of the ways to look at non-stealing, besides like not snagging the, the yogurt from the office fridge that doesn't belong to you or stealing in that overt way, but I think the biggest way we steal from each other right now is with time and our mm. presence, right? So if you are not fully present with somebody else, then you're stealing that moment from them. And honestly, you're stealing it from yourself too. So I think when we can can expand the way we think about, and that's why I don't like when people call the yamas and niyamas the 10 commandments of yoga, because like I said, that feels really dogmatic and it feels narrow to me. And I think that, that it's really very spacious and there are so many broader ways to interpret that, Hmm. that can improve our lives. I hope that you are enjoying today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. I am taking a minute to interrupt the show. Sorry about that, but I need to do some general housekeeping for the new year. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you frustrated you can't lose weight no matter what you do? Are you tired of taking handfuls of medications every day and still feel horrible and tired. Is that you? Well, then I have four open spots available for the first quarter of 2020. And all you have to do is book a free 20-minute consultation with me to discuss yourself, what your issues are, and we can talk about if I can help you. So all you need to do to book that 20-minute consultation is go to my website, www.thomunderwood.net, tomunderwood.net, and go to services at the top, scroll to the bottom of the page, click the link, and schedule a free 20-minute consultation with me to talk about you and to see if I can help you and also to see if we're a good fit. Let me help you get off that roller coaster get off that hamster wheel and lose the weight and feel optimal in 2020. Thank you and enjoy the remainder of this show. Can you expand a little bit on these reflections at the chapters and and why they become so eye-opening? Yeah. So, you know, one of the complaints about the Yoga Sutras is that they're really dense and esoteric and hard to understand and that they're not particularly relevant to modern life. And I just wholeheartedly disagree with that. And so Amy and I really wanted to make sure that we made them the commentary modern and practical. And then we wanted to we were trying to figure out how we could make them really personally relevant to people. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, the way to do that was through these reflections and these exercises at the end of each, at the end of each chapter. And I usually suggest to people, well, first of all, I always tell people they don't have to do the reflections. If that feels really daunting to you, then then I think there's enough amazing material in the book on its own. Absolutely. But 
I usually suggest to people that they like read through the commentary once and then go back and start to do the reflections that way. And I, I think I think part of why they work is that they're making that wisdom really personal and tangible and just very relevant, I think. And I think there are so many journaling exercises or ways when we stop when we stop and give ourselves the time and space to think about ourselves and our lives in a different way, that that's just peeling back so many layers. So I think that's the beauty of most self-reflections. Yeah, it is. I mean, and really when you don't do that, you're really doing yourself an injustice. Right. And I think most of us don't, right? right? I think we don't carve out that much time. There seems that there are so many other things that seem more pressing, right? But honestly, I think self-study is one of the most important things we can do because that should lead us to understand why we're here and what our purpose is. And once we know that, then we can live our lives in a way that is aligned with that. And that might mean taking some things off of our plate, right? Like if we all of a sudden understand our true nature and our purpose, and we're like, oh, wait a minute. When I do this, that's not in alignment with that. Let me take that off of my plate and like stop feeling like I have to do that. So I think it can be very freeing. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I started practicing last year that I... Is as, as I start every morning with three things I'm grateful for, yep. and I write them down. And at the end of the day, I recap the day a little bit in journal, but I also put three things I'm grateful for from that day. Yes. And I I really preach, especially to my clients, is is that we need to remember gratitude in our lives because otherwise we wake up and do this every day and we don't have any purpose. Yes. I totally agree. And I think I think gratitude is the antidote to so much of, of what is wrong in our lives. Like when we're clinging to something or grasping for something or we feel like we're not good enough, all of that comes from a sense of lack and, and, a, and a scarcity mindset. And I think the way to repair that is to focus on what we do have and to shift to an abundance mindset. And I think gratitude is a one really good way to do that. And I think, listen, so I am not a gratitude journaler, but I think figuring out how one has a gratitude practice is really important. So for us, we don't do bedtime prayers with my son. We do bedtime gratitudes. I know some people who their daughter went off to college and at the end of the day, all three of them, the the mother, husband, mother, father, and the daughter, they all text each other one gratitude from the day and it keeps them socially connected and also focused on it. That's a a great idea. Yeah. Michelle, oh my gosh, I just blanked on her name. We had her on the first season of... Um, the Living It podcast. She has a great book called Broadcasting Happiness. And she talks about taking a daily picture of something that makes you happy or joyful and Mm. having that visual reminder. And it starts to train your brain to look for those things that are, you know, that you're grateful for. So there's so many different ways to have a gratitude practice. I just, I think however you carve it out, I think it's one of the most powerful things that we can do. So another thing I really found this Aesop's fable on the ant and the grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> that that was an eye opener for me, I got to tell you. Yeah. Because that little ant's always working. He's always working, right? And what I mean what the what yoga is trying to teach us, what that is trying to teach us is that we absolutely should be working towards our goals and um, the things that we want, but we have to let go of the results. We may never know the real results of all of our efforts, of all of our labors, or the result may not be what we anticipated it to be or what we hoped it to be. And so, you know, I think that's I think that's a really hard concept. Yeah, um, it is. To not it's be hard. attached to not be attached to anything, but certainly, right. really, you want me to work really hard and not be attached to the result. Yep. Yep, that's a tough one. Yes. We're into the new year here. 
Yes. We're halfway through the first month of the new year. What kind of takeaways can you give from this book? Because I really enjoyed this book and I plan on actually, I'm going to use this book. Like I bought it in a form for my iPad. Yeah. A Kindle. Yeah. But I've decided last night that I'm going to buy the hard copy so that I can mark it up. Yes. And, but there's so many takeaways in all three chapters. And then you have some great resources at the end. Thank you. Yeah. And what are some things when you, you wrote this book that you wanted to tell the people who, like myself, who are not familiar with yoga very well, or even the people that are familiar with yoga, but don't even know the sutras. Right. What was, when you did this book with Amy, what were your take, what was your your goal at the end. Yeah. So the the goal was to have people realize that yoga is not just a physical practice. It's it's Raj Stryker said this in season one of our podcast is that you can do downward facing dog and never do yoga, never practice yoga. And you can practice yoga and never do down dog. And yoga is a mind thing. And I think we're in a in a time where we need this. We need to remember that um, we are not our thoughts. We are not our bodies. We are so much more than that. And then how do you uncover who you are? I think that real connection to our inner truth and our inner divinity and our inner knowledge is really important. And how do you cut through the filter? And so that that is what... How do you cut through the noise? That is what Amy and I wanted people to do and to realize that this this is a big holistic practice um, not just what happens on the map right and it, it especially where you're in DC I mean that, that city is like Vegas it never stops it does not yes that is true you know, and and there's always something from my from my aspect there's always something negative going on in DC sure but yes. it's just I mean it's a it's a go, go, go town. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been there a couple of times for conferences and it's just, it's, it's insane. It's a lot. Yes. So do you get a lot of those people from the Capitol coming into the studios, um, practicing yoga not, or I'm sure you get a lot of government people, period. Yes. So we don't get a ton of people from the Capitol because we're about 20 minutes from there. Okay. Uh, we, we have a lot of students who work for the government or well, actually a little less so now, work for nonprofits and non-governmental okay. organizations or involved in some way. And yes, we have a, it's a very type A city and we have a lot of go, go, go people. And I think that's a big part of why people in DC... I mean, DC has one of the best yoga scenes in the country. We have amazing studios here. And I think that's why. I think people are aware enough to know that they need something to calm them down. And and honestly, like we don't even just have great yoga studios. We have great meditation studios in this town too. And so I think, yeah, I think people are ambitious and driven and very type A. I would certainly even describe myself that way. And I think that for so many people, yoga is a really good antidote to that. Yeah, it seems to be that way, and I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to beginning my new year practicing it, or at least doing the basics. Yeah, and I, and I'll probably, honestly, I probably do it from here from my house. Yep, because I really, I, I've got a pretty full schedule. Yeah, but I do need that downtime. Yep, and I need to, I know since I don't bend very well that I need to stretch more. Yeah. So there's some great online memberships. I love Yoga Download and totally giving my own studio a plug, but we are starting a online membership. Um, Oh, nice. I think think realistically, we'll be launching it in early February, but you'll get um, one full class and two shorter classes a month and one guided meditation for about $18, which is less than the cost of a single drop-in. So... And then if you join, you know, in April, you'd have access to all the backlog of things. Nice. So. Do you have a, a, a mailing list? I uh, do, yeah. Okay. So that you, if they go to the website, which I'll include in the show notes, I believe it's... Uh, so at 
Yeah, you can find it. It's pasttensestudio.com or people can find me at kellydenardo.com, either one, and I can get them signed up. And the other thing that we'll be doing through that is I'm going to do a six-week online course with the, through the book um, to kind of help people go through it. Um, there'll be different writing prompts that folks will get. So there'll be supplemental material as well. But that way people can... We'll have a group discussion once a week during the course. And that way people can ask questions and be like, well, this came up for me when I was doing this reflection. And nice. what do you think about that? So yeah, there'll be a lot of... Um, there's a lot of information on both of those websites. So are there plans for another book? So Amy and I are working on a card deck. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. I, I, that'd be awesome. Yes. So um, it, it again, it, it'll follow the same ideas and concepts, but it'll be all new material. And so there'll be... And the idea is that you'll be able to put together a holistic practice um, with the card deck. So there'll be a self-study card um, that'll be on philosophy. There'll be one on uh, a physical practice, whether it's a posture or a breathing exercise. And then there'll be a, a meditation uh, card and they'll be on different themes. So hmm. you can either choose, you know, today I need to focus on balance. I'm going to take the three cards that are focused on balance, or you could just pull one card or you could mix and match it and see what comes up for you. So nice. Yeah. But it'll, I'm looking forward to that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So that should we, that is due in early February. Okay. <laughs> so we'll turn it in then. And, and I, I'm guessing it will come out in late 2020 or early 2021. And then another book. And then probably another book. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So what are some tips and tricks for someone new to yoga like myself yeah. who can incorporate how, how to incorporate these sutras and yoga in the new in, in this in this world of 2020, the new decade? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I think the most important thing is to carve out some time every day for for your practice. And that can be five minutes. It can be reading some sort of philosophical book. Obviously, I'm a little biased towards ours. It could be five minutes of journaling exercises. It could be five minutes of meditation or stretching or whatever it is. But I, And five minutes, I think, is the bare minimum that we owe ourselves. I think though, when you carve out that time consistently and regularly, you start to really value and appreciate it. And you'll, ex- I think people will start to extend it and let it grow. And, and then I think from there, the trick is how do you take whatever came up for you in that reading or in that journaling or in whatever your practice looks like, how do you carry that through the rest of your day? Right. right. So that I think is the big challenge is carving out that time and then seeing what comes up and then figuring out how you take it through your day. And I think it'll be different every time. So, you know, for me, one of the things that has come up most recently is just this idea in yoga that there is a thread of divinity that runs through all of us. That's kind of the yogic definition of God. And for me, if if you really believe that, then that dictates how you just completely behave in the world, right? If if God is in all of us, if there's divinity in all of us, then how I treat everyone, including the people who make me want to like crawl into <laughs> my own skin a bit, like that that informs everything. Right. And so for me, that has been something that I've been trying to figure out how I take off of my mat and into the world in a in a bigger picture way. And it's challenging, which I think comes back to that very first sutra, which is now we begin. Okay, so I screwed up. I didn't treat that person like they have divinity within them. So now we begin. <laughs> and I I screwed this up. And now we begin again. And it's okay. Well it's always beginning. Right. We're always evolving. You know, and and one of the things I, I'm getting ready to do I have decided that on New Year's Eve, and this is kind of going to be past tense, but on New Year's Eve, I writing, I make, I took three by five cards, and I'm writing down everything that 
from the past that I need to let go of. Yeah. And then on New Year's Eve, I'm going to make a fire and I'm going to burn those cards. Let it go. And let it go. I think that's And not carry that into the new year. Yes. I think that's really good. Yeah. I I just, there's some things in my past that I got to let go and I can't drag on because it's holding (laughs) me back. Right. So, right. and, And I think that's the, another thing in my eyes about after reading the book is that, you know what? Just do you. Forget the past and move on. Right. Well, and that's one of... So Patanjali talks about uh, five kleshas or ways in which we see, not see the world, but things that we do that get in our own way. And one of them, it's kind of the two sides of the same coin. One is aversion to painful experiences and um, clinging to pleasurable ones. And I think when we have things in our lives, whether they're memories or events or things that we either feel bad about or we have are struggling to let go for some reason that that's usually some form of aversion to pain or clinging to pleasure and if you can let that go think about how much freer you'll be you know you're 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 removing a giant obstacle from your life absolutely that's right and uh you know it's, it's, you can't do anything about the past. You mm-hmm. can't do anything about the future. Mm-mm. You have to live for now. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. Right. No, no I was going to say, so Mo Gadot, uh, we had him on season two um, to talk about happiness and this concept of cultivating contentment, which is a big idea in, in yoga. And he says, it's, it's really smart. Happiness is almost always grounded in the present moment, right? We worry about the future. We ruminate on the past. We chase happiness in the future. But when we're truly happy, truly content, we are grounded in the present moment. Amazing. Yes, it is. Very good book. I enjoyed it immensely. And I highly recommend it for, like I said, if you've been doing yoga forever or even just new to this or just want to learn about the sutras and, and and how to let go of, of this sympathetic mode that we walk around in and, and let go and move into the parasympathetic mode. You know, this is a must book and I love the exercises. I love the, I loved everything about it. I was really impressed. Thank I was very you. impressed. Thank very you. Impressed. That is really nice to hear. Thank you. And uh, in fact, I'm going to put it on my website as one of the things I love. Okay. Thank you. Because it's in my toolbox. I'll put it in the toolbox with the book and a link to the book. Before I let you go today, first of all, thank you for coming on board. Oh my gosh. Today. Really, it's, thank you for having me. This has been fun. You know, I, I just, you're my, I've never really did a podcast episode on yoga that in 80 episodes. So yeah, that was good. I've talked to yogis before in the past sure. about other things, but never yoga itself. So this is amazing. If Kelly DiNardo had 30 minutes, or 45 minutes to kill, or chill, yeah. just chill out, what album or artist would you put on to listen to? Mm. Oh, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. You can never go wrong with Stevie Wonder. No. He solves a lot of moods. Bruce Springsteen would probably be up there. I've been really into Haim lately. I like them a lot. Haim? Haim, H-A-I-M, yeah. H-A-I-M. Yeah. Oh. Really, really down. cool girlfriend. I can't get enough of Lizzo if I'm in a like pump you up mood. Okay. Yeah, it just sort of depends on the mood. Right. You yeah. know, I drove back to Michigan in the end of November and I was loading up my I, uh, my Apple music mm-hmm. for things to listen to and I downloaded Stevie Wonder, the songs of the key of life. Oh, great album. Oh my goodness. I was, I listened to that like all the way through Kentucky or Tennessee, then Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then I got to Indiana. I said, well, I got to put some melon camp on now. I'm in, I'm yeah. in Indiana. <laughs> so yeah, that was Songs of the Key of Life. is, And I, you forget how amazing that album it's is. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's definitely, yeah, he's definitely a gem. Yes. Thank you so much. I hope that you and your family have an amazing holiday period. Thank you. Thank and much you. love to you and much love to Amy. I don't never met Amy and I probably never will, but <laughs> this is a great book and I highly recommend it. And 
and uh, all the links will be in the bio for the book and the uh, Instagram where they can follow you on Instagram, the past tense studio, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, they're all going to be in the, in the show notes. And I will put a link to the show notes to your book also in Amazon. Yes. Is that the best place to get the book? Yeah, I would say either Amazon or you could send them directly to Shimbala or um, IndieBound is a great website where it'll tell you where your local bookstore is. Okay. Yeah, uh, Amazon, you know. It's easiest. They own the world. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Next day. <laughs> yes. Hey, can I get day. that tomorrow? <laughs> yes, exactly. Our, our society of instant gratification. Exactly, exactly. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.